0: I am your host, Vic Jarami, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. Coming up, I'm very happy to present three interviews with three very dynamic and progressive uh, individuals who are really shaking up the criminal justice system. The first one is LA District Attorney George Gascon, followed by Pete Harton, who is a former Deputy District Attorney and is running to be Orange County's District Attorney. And then last but not least, Eric Strong, who has been in law enforcement for almost 30 years and is running to be the LA Sheriff next year year. These are uh, three individuals that are doing a great deal to really shake up um, the criminal justice system. And uh, I'm very happy to have interviewed them. And I hope that you enjoy it. From serving as a police officer with the LAPD, to Chief of Police in America's most progressive and conservative cities, to top prosecutor, Los Angeles District Attorney George Gascon has reduced violent crimes in every leadership position he has held over his decorated 40-year career in law enforcement. Mr. Gascon has reduced racial disparities in the criminal justice system and has fought to end California's over-reliance on mass incarceration. Mr. Gascon has brought his data-driven reforms that are proven to enhance safety in the Los Angeles County. Good morning, George. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you? I'm
1: doing well, Vic. Good morning to you, too.
0: Um, How are things right now in the office with uh, COVID sort of making a surge again?
1: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, and extremely disappointing to say that we are having a, a resurgence also in our office. Uh, we've had uh, multiple cases in the last couple of weeks of people testing positive. Uh, we're we're having to to begin to uh, retract some of the, um, the you know the rolling out of the the, the restrictions that we had before. Um, you know, unfortunately, we still have people that are unvaccinated, and it's impacting both the vaccinated and the unvaccinated so you know it's it's just really, really disturbing to see uh that people still don't understand or do not want to comply with science and you know, just simple measures you know getting vaccinated wearing mask you know just the things that would make all of us safer we We should not have been here uh at this point, but unfortunately we are yeah
0: yeah we sort of have to live in reality and uh uh, live life on life's terms and that's uh, what we have to deal with and put on put our masks on again indoors at least in la county you know when you were elected there was this huge sigh of relief and so many of us were so excited to have a new chapter for los angeles and the district attorney's office but of course uh You know you can't uh, make everyone happy all of the time so as a result of your very progressive and uh, courageous in a good way and daring in a good way uh, changes that you have uh, implemented and are still trying to implement there's always going to be some backlash and and the backlash is the this sort of absurd recall election let me just ask you this just broadly what do you think it's about? I mean, of course, I kind of said what I think, but uh, from your perspective, why is this happening?
1: You know, I think there is a, it, there are a combination of things. I think that this is clearly a, a very uh, right wing, uh, you know, many Trump supporters uh, are leading the charge here. You know, They're going after, you know, progressive, they're going after Democrats, they're, they're trying to undo elections. You know not only in l a county but uh but around the country um and you know in this case certainly in the case of the rest of prosecutors, what we're seeing and it's a very consistent uh message is that they really aren't um uh, aren't about you know public safety or the safety of our community it's really more about you know continuing to be a, a very uh, carceral approach to the work, uh, high punishment levels. When you look at it, what they're, you know, the things that really, uh, come down to is they, they want to continue to see the death penalty. They want to continue to see, uh, you know, us seeking life without the possibility of parole. They want me to put kids in adult prisons. Uh, they want to continue to use our jails to, Uh, incarcerated, the, uh, you know, the, the houseless and the mentally ill. And, uh, and really that's what it comes down to. There's nothing else there. Um, we have done a tremendous amount of work around community safety, uh, you know, taking a public health approach to dealing with violence, taking a trauma informed approach to dealing with victims. They don't, they don't want to hear about any of that. You know, the, the, the constant, sound guides are, uh, you know, death penalty, kids going to adult prison, you know, those sort of things. So they continue to say, um, when you look at the people behind it, certainly in my case, um, you know, the funding and the driving forces are very, very Republican-driven. You know, you have a guy named Jeff uh, Palmer, who is a real estate developer in L.A. County, uh, a, a Trump mega-donor, gave Trump about $2 million last year puts a lot of money into Republican campaigns. We have, uh, you know, a former uh, director of the Los Angeles Police Detective League and former city councilman, you know, a Republican very right-wing. We have a former district attorney uh, of L.A. County, uh, a guy named uh, Steve Cooley, again, a very right-wing Republican. And then you have, you know, the police unions and all some of the other usual suspects. So it's, it's very, very right-wing driven. And then they, they are using some people that have been you know have been victimized, um, that are seeking, you know, death penalty or a very strange punishment that are very traumatized and quite frankly in some ways almost abusing their trauma. Which is by the way not representative of where most victims are. You know, poll after poll shows that about sixty percent of the victims actually wanna see trauma informed care for the victims, but they and they also want to see we have a patient uh you know we put together a victims advisory board with people that are real victims people have suffered people lost loved ones to street violence or police violence they're advising our practice and and then they attack those people and say, "Well, you're not a real victim so it's just that that viciousness about yeah. the uh what is going on
0: yeah it's the it's the establishment in fear yeah. of losing their privilege and their status quo. <laughs> so they're, um, they're hitting back because yeah. uh, they don't want things to change and yeah, I think you mentioned something like this and it's astounding to me that when you argue with them or at least debate with them, with numbers and data and info, um, they sort of like skip anything that's not supportive of their claim. Like the fact that we have you know, so many people on death row in California and how many hundreds of millions is spent uh, on them annually, and yet we still uh, don't want to realize that, uh, you know, capital punishment is just not the way to go. But, uh, you know, there's always going to be the minority who want to uh, keep uh, status quo and uh, claim that they are, you know, sort of like put people in fear by saying that if... uh, if you don't have this sort of old school way of uh, dealing with law enforcement and uh, the district attorney's office that uh, you know your neighborhoods are gonna be unsafe and your kids are gonna be kidnapped and all this sort of just like this tactics that Donald Trump used very well for four years. Yep. Yep. And it's happening all over again and unfortunately you're not the only one in California. I think uh, yep. the fact that California is such a solid blue does not sit well with uh, a lot of right wing Republicans. And uh, it's sad, but it's uh, also our responsibility to publics to support elected officials like yourself who aren't really doing the work and don't just uh, talk about it during their campaign and it's not about rhetoric and sound bites, but you've gone in and you've really um, made some major changes that majority of the people are very happy with and yet so when it comes to something like this then we all need to support you and keep supporting you and and just come out because there's so few people that are willing to put themselves uh, where you've put yourself to get this kind of scrutiny unfairly i do want to ask you um, about your recent resignation uh, from the district attorneys association And just give you an opportunity to explain how that happened, your decision.
1: Yeah, you know, the the California District Attorney Association is composed of 58 elected district attorneys in the state. And interestingly enough, you have the LA District Attorney, for instance, you know, I represent over 10 million people, and you have uh, the District Attorney from a county that has under 100,000 people, and his or her vote is exactly equal to mine. And what we have seen for years, and I saw that when I was the district attorney of San Francisco for nearly nine years, that the organization is being hijacked by very conservative counties, uh, rural counties, and and some other people in the uh, in the uh, you know the organization. Actually, interestingly enough, people think of California being blue, but when you look at the elected DAs around the state, uh, almost all of them. I think there's only three or four that are. That are not Republicans, right? I mean, we've seen a couple now register as independents as they're trying to run for a race uh, at the state level and trying to disguise what they have been Republicans uh, until recently. So um, there were several things that really caused my final, uh, uh, you know, decision to resign. One was the, uh, the 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 organization was under investigation for misappropriation of public funds. Uh, and this had to do with uh, money that the association was receiving to assist in the uh, prosecution and, uh, of environmental crimes and, and the education of environmental crimes and consumer. And instead, they were using some of that money to pay for their basic expenses, including uh, political uh, political activities around opposing reform measures, both at the state level with legislators as well as uh, in other areas and uh, so not only were they keeping money that was intended for the purpose of helping the public, but then they were turning around that money and and in addition they using that money for for electoral activities to fight reform, uh, and thus under investigation. Uh, the other thing, you know, besides the misappropriation of funding, frankly, is their you know their, their insistence in, in staying in in, in a highly cartel. uh, And uh, fighting every single reform effort, you know, supporting the death penalty, supporting putting children in adult prisons, supporting enhancements, uh, you know, just whatever, whatever the science and data says about not to do, they they go the other direction. Right. I I thought that I just could no longer... uh, you know be a dues-paying member to an organization that is so uh, regressive and that doesn't serve the, the the will of the majority of the people in of california
0: wow well my hat off to you it's uh sounds like if something is that dysfunctional there's no point in staying in there and um, especially you know with so different from your values and values obviously of uh, you know la voters who voted for you yep. um, We talked a lot about some of the the most important issues, um, not just about this attempt of of a recall, but in general, but if someone is just tuning in, and by the way, uh, this is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I'm your host, Vic Jorami, and uh, if you haven't been listening, uh, I am uh, speaking with uh, LA District Attorney George Gascon uh, as my guest, and we're talking about... uh, just everything related to the district attorney's office. And um, so my next question was gonna be, what are what are like three top issues or top points, bullet points that people really sh- need to know about what you are doing and your vision?
1: Yeah, I would say that if I was gonna boil it to, to three things, I would say number one is to ensure that we take a public health approach Dealing with community safety and community health, and that means bringing not only police and prosecutors to the table when we're addressing issues of violence and other problems in our community, but it's also bringing public health, it's bringing community activists, it's bringing um, you know interventionists, it's bringing academia and research to the work. Uh, it's really shifting from a system that has been based on on fear mongering to a system that that uses science and and brings entire communities together. That's one. Uh, Number two, which is actually connected to the first one, is to end systemic racism. There is absolutely no question, and I think reasonable people that may disagree in many other things uh, are clear on the fact that the, the criminal legal system has targeted uh, black and brown people disproportionately for combat that is often committed in other communities, and and that has driven mass incarceration and, and, and quite frankly, uh, the illegitimacy of the system in the eyes of many members of the community. And then I would say that clearly that, you know, looking through safety through a public health lens, looking at systemic racism, has to uh, address the issue of police accountability and the interplay of mass incarceration and, and you know the the the, the all the drivers that that impact uh, the unfairness and the the, the you know the, the disproportionality in our system.
0: Wow, that was well done. That was well done. I mean, who who can argue with that? You know, I I know that I'm preaching to the choir, not just you but you know, most of our listeners.
2: But
1: for
0: those that maybe haven't been as familiar with what's been happening is at least in the last 25 years or so that I've been sort of conscious uh, as an adult about uh, a lot of our law enforcement issues and high-profile cases and district attorney's office, there have been so many many, um, issues and problems and challenges that have been inherited by every district attorney no one's done anything substantial about it and reminds me of this the slogan uh, if nothing changes nothing changes so uh the three bullet points you described are major changes in in approach and in psychology and in uh, our attitude toward things Uh, of course racism and uh uh, you know systematic racism in law enforcement and such it's it 's been such a big part of the fabric of America, not only just l a and uh, you know um, i'm i 'm very grateful for what you 're doing. Uh, you definitely have my support and uh, Thank
1: you.
0: before we go, George, is there anything that you 'd like to add? Maybe perhaps there was a question I should have asked you.
1: You know, Vic, I, I think you covered it all, but I, I think it bears repeating uh, a point that we made earlier. This effort, uh, to recall me, uh, as well as what you see around other parts of the state when it deals with the progressive district attorney, this is really not about community safety. This is really about punishing keeping the death penalty, Sending children to adult court and then adult prison. But more importantly, this is about a system that has huge economic and political incentives to stay where they are. Uh, In the last 30 years, we built 22 prisons in California and one, one uh, public university. Those prison systems uh, have tremendous economic uh, ecosystems right not only the people that are working in the prison but all supply systems uh, every mechanism to build that that money that goes into the system then then drives political strength um, the increase in policing uh, around our state the increasing in, in the size of prosecutors' offices that all builds an economic structure that then feeds a political structure that for for years have dominated the the conversation when we're talking about community safety and misleading the public to continue to feed a system that really is not about safety but it's about feeding its own economic and and, uh, and, uh, political interests. And I'm not even going into the bail bonds industry and the private prisons, all these other uh, ancillary industries that are heavily uh, vested in maintaining the carceral system that we have. So I think that It's important to understand this recall is not about safety. You're going to hear about, you know, it's about caring for victims. They they could care less about victims. And, in fact, you know, victims, by and large, support rehabilitation. uh, And what we have been doing actually has created more insecurity. I have been in this business for nearly 40 years. I've reduced violent crime in every place that I've worked. L.A. County, uh, before COVID, had a 25% increase in violence, and yet it incarcerated people are rates higher than 57 of the other counties, which is a lot to say because you're a peer, you're dealing with very conservative counties. So clearly that doesn't bring safety, but but the arguments that you hear are arguments that do not want to address this glaring this facts about how the system is failing, because again, it's an economic and political issue and they don't want that. Good. Yep, it's the
0: it's the prison industrial complex that's, yep. it's a huge force uh, politically, financially, and uh, the people on top—they don't want that compromised. So, well said. And once again, uh, if you want to support George, get updates, um, whatnot, please go to standwithgascon.org. That was my interview with uh, L.A. District Attorney George Gascon, who, in a short time uh, since being in office, he's already made great impact on the L.A. District Attorney's Office and initiated great reform that's been needed and wanted for decades. Uh, Thank you for being on the show, George. I really appreciate your time and good luck to you. The Blunt Post with Vic. Pete Harden is one of Southern California's leading litigators, is a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps, a combat veteran, a former deputy district attorney, special assistant United States attorney, and is running to be Orange County's next district attorney. A few of Pete's top priorities include supporting and holding law enforcement accountable, combating hate crimes, tackling public corruption, addressing racial disparities in the criminal justice system, making environmental justice a public priority, and a lot more. He's running to enhance public safety, heal and restore victims and survivors of crime, and restore integrity and professionalism to the Orange County District Attorney's Office, which is riddled with corruption and scandals under the current District Attorney, Todd Spitzer. Good morning, Pete. Thank you for being on The Blunt Post with uh, Vic this morning. How are you today?
3: Good morning, Vic. I'm outstanding, and I'm very grateful to you for having me.
0: Yeah, it's uh, good to talk to you. It's, uh, Orange County is a very important county in the country, uh, perhaps one of the most important, and uh, the, the race that's coming up next year, the district attorney race for which you are running, is also very important because so many people are not happy with, uh, with the current district attorney, Todd uh, Spitzer. So um, I'm glad to be talking to you and, uh, you know, diving right into your, your platform and what's on your agenda. Reading about you, I was very excited to, to read that, uh, you know, you're big on uh, reforming criminal justice system in Orange County. If you can talk a little bit about that.
3: You bet, Vic, happy to. Let, let me just start by sort of reiterating something you just said, which is, um, you know, the importance of, of Orange County. Uh, a, a lot of our uh, brothers and sisters, uh, Angelinos, uh, sort of think of us as as the ugly, uh, ugly stepchild, perhaps. But uh, <laughs> and that there is that strong orange curtain there. But um, you know, Orange County is the sixth most populous county in the whole country. Uh, we are larger here than than 21 states, and we've really got an outsized influence on on uh, on our criminal justice system in general. And um, I hope to to lead us in the in a new direction. We've Got an exciting opportunity, I think, to, to create a, a new sustainable model for, for criminal justice reform, uh, led by someone who believes in reform, uh, and I'll talk about that in a second, but uh, who has also served as a prosecutor at, at every level of our criminal justice system. Uh, I've been a Marine Corps officer and a judge advocate. I'm a combat veteran. Uh, spent about a year in Afghanistan with the Reconnaissance Battalion, and uh, I've been a deputy district attorney at our office here, as well as a federal prosecutor at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office. Uh, I've become concerned throughout my career about uh, the manner in which we uh, we're administering criminal justice and and policing in in a lot of ways in this country. And um, I think that uh, you know in all too many ways uh, our our justice system has failed to evolve over the last 30 years since the era of the super predator uh, and sort of uh, chest thumping, tough on crime prosecutors um all of our other professions have have evolved i mean imagine imagine going to a doctor or hiring an architect or an engineer uh who was still doing business like it was you know in the mid 1990s well that's in a lot of ways in too many ways that's what we're doing uh with our criminal justice system in too many places uh, across the country
0: absolutely Now, well said uh, and very detailed i appreciate that but, you know um yeah, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And uh, so much hasn't changed in Orange County, and we keep encountering the same issues. But before we go into that, I really want to sort of applaud you for something, and that's your plan to end the death penalty. When I, a lot of times when I'm talking to friends and such and about whatever law or politics, uh, sometimes it just gets down to this. I always say, if we look at the countries around the, uh, around the world with the highest um, standards of living and the happiest people, and this is according to studies, uh, you always encounter uh, Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Norway, <laughs> Belgium, Iceland. And not only those nations, but throughout the European Union, death penalty um, has been done away with. And yet we're still sort of struggling with that. But I think your plan is even deeper than you know or more detailed than I'm uh, explaining surely. If you want to uh, speak a little bit about that.
3: Uh, yeah, I appreciate the opportunity, Vic. I mean you're absolutely right uh, in, in terms of looking at other countries, but let's look closer to home. I mean Virginia, a southern state where uh, mm-hmm. where I did so much of my my Marine Corps training has, done away with the death penalty uh, california is a leader in this country in so many ways uh, but we're at risk of, of becoming a follower uh, the tide is undoubtedly turning on this and uh I, i'd like to help us get out in front of it look you, you know that i'm going to be honest with you the death penalty was uh, my stance on the death penalty i should say was was a tough thing uh, to come to 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 reckon with uh, throughout my life I, I have struggled with, with different opinions on it because I really believe that you know that that need for retribution that, that humans have uh, a lot of humans have not everyone uh, is a uh, is, is it's a real thing it's it's part of our DNA somehow uh, so uh, when the brother or sister or, or, or loved one is, is murdered uh, we, we want to lash out against the against the perpetrator and that is so human um i've you know i've 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 been to war and i've i've uh, experienced these things firsthand um that being said you know vic the, the the way that our death penalty system works is is just so broken uh it really is and uh hugely informative to to me has been talking with uh two individuals beth webb in huntington beach and uh and paul wilson who's also here in orange county they both lost loved ones. Uh, Bethany Webb lost her sister, uh, and her mother was, was shot as well, but she recovered and Paul Wilson lost his wife in the seal beach massacre, which was the the worst mass shooting in Orange County history. Right. And, uh, you know, I had lunch uh, last week with, with Paul and he said, Pete, you know, if you had asked me that, 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 that day that happened and that week that it happened, what I want, what, what, what I wanted to happen, uh, to, to Scott to cry the, uh, the uh, individual who, who who perpetrated that mass murder he said i, I you know i wanted him dead but in the, through the decade plus that i have gone through uh, trials and appeals uh, where everything is uncertain and i have to relive uh, the victimization over over and over again it, it, it's just a broken system and I, I want to be able to let it go and rest in peace, knowing that that man is going to spend the rest of his life, uh, give him a life sentence, uh, but give him life without uh, the possibility of parole.
0: That's very, um, very admirable.
3: It's all, it's also important though, to look, and, and I also want to say that I, I, I don't speak for all survivors. I, I, I want to make that very clear. And I respect that. Everyone may have a, a different opinion. Um, and reasonable minds can entirely differ on this. I, I, I really get that. Um, it's also extremely important to look at the fiscal aspect of this, though, Vic. Uh, since 1978, when the death penalty was uh, reimposed in California, we spent over $300 million uh, on, on, on this system. There's 750 people on death row. Uh, we put 13 of them to death since 1978. At the staggering cost of 300 Million dollars—that it's so staggering that wow. it's hard to imagine the things that we could do with that money. Uh, it's hard to imagine the programs that we could put in place uh, to prevent some of these disturbed individuals from ever having committed the crimes uh, that they did in the first place.
0: Uh, yeah, well, so, you know, so, so, someone has to pay for the the prison industrial complex.
3: Yeah, absolutely right, and and it's it's all coming out of our our, our pockets. Um, and uh, a lot of my job as a, as a candidate here, and, and it will be as, uh, as our future DA if I'm fortunate enough to be elected, is to help people understand uh, that uh, we should be diverting those resources to the things that we know reduce crime, like strong public school education, job placement programs, um, uh, after school programs, uh, drug and alcohol treatment programs. Uh, those are the things we know reduce crime and enhance our public safety, uh, not keeping people uh, on death row at that staggering
0: cost. Absolutely. Uh, those of you who are just joining us, uh, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. Uh, I am your host, Vic Sharami, and I'm speaking with uh, Pete Hardin, who is, uh, you know, his resume is, is very impressive. He is a former judge advocate in the US Marine Corps. He's a combat veteran, he's a former deputy district attorney, and a special assistant to the US attorney, uh, and a a leading uh, litigator in California, and he's running for Orange County's uh, district attorney. So uh, thank you for joining in. Uh, Pete, next thing I wanna talk to you about is Orange County's sort of history, if you will, with the LGBTQ community. Twenty, twenty-five, 25, 30 years ago, um, South Orange County especially had a pretty vibrant uh, LGBTQ community, especially in Laguna Beach, uh, and it thinned out and thinned out, and uh, now it's really not that significant. And there is this, you know, this, you know, we talk about Orange County all the time that it's just not a very LGBTQ friendly county. Uh, hate crimes uh, or anti-LGBTQ hate crimes have gone up 24% in Orange County. And uh, uh, Todd Spitzer has certainly not been a friend to our community. And so I'd like to sort of get your perspective on that and your plans and what do you think?
3: Yeah, absolutely, Vic. I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Um, You know, I want to make sure that Orange County is, is a more... Uh, inclusive and supportive community across the board for all of the diverse residents that we have here, and this really is uh, one of the most diverse counties in in the country. Uh, although, in a lot of ways, uh, we're we're segregated between different uh, the the different communities with Orange County. But let me let me start by just saying that uh, you're absolutely right. Our our current district attorney has just an abysmal record on. Uh, on uh, supporting our LGBTQ plus community, d- dating back to, to his time in the state assembly. Uh, he sought to codify discrimination against uh, the community. Uh, he voted to allow sexual orientation based discrimination by the state. Um, he voted against legalizing same sex marriage. I mean, I mean, that should say it all. The highest score he ever received from Equality California while in the state assembly was 22% uh, and the lowest score was 0%. Uh, then move on to his time as county supervisor he defended a county partnership with an anti lgbtq plus uh community and then you know much more recently since he's been elected uh it's just been staggering Uh, you know over the past year we've seen a a horrifying increase in in heinous hate crimes across uh, the country certainly uh but orange county is, is no different and it has been worse here than it has been Uh, throughout the state you know uh, as as you mentioned hate crimes have increased by 24 percent here uh, even as the state reported an 8.3 percent decrease in hate crimes during uh, the same period Uh, significantly the Orange County Human Relations Board uh, has uh, informs us that 23 percent of hate crimes reported are due to sexual orientation and uh and gender identity so uh you know we we've got a da who loves to get himself in, in front of the tv cameras uh and and headlines and talk about this stuff but uh, hasn't done anything about it you know it took uh took him over a year into this this awful year where we've, we've seen uh this rise in hate crimes to finally stand up uh, a hate crimes unit with, within the orange county da's office um and of course, he's been all over the news talking about it. Um, but prosecuting hate crimes is the easy part. Uh, adding hate crime uh, enhancements—that's the easy part. Vic, uh, we've we've got to elect leaders throughout Orange County, not 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 just at the DA's office, who are going to stand up, talk about the importance of reporting of hate crimes, the impact uh, that hate crimes have on, on the community, uh, work with law enforcement to uh, create different approaches uh to uh, working with uh the lgbtq plus community and recognizing the challenges uh that, that community faces and then coming up with smart solutions uh, i've got some ideas I'm, I'm excited to implement uh around all that
0: i like that and also i think people everything trickles down from the leaders of you know in this case orange county uh so that what's the word i want to use you know bigots. Uh, are not emboldened and enabled. When these bigots see that their leaders are, are lax and uh, you know, they're not really doing their job, it emboldens them and therefore they're, they're more hate crimes you know, toward not just LGBTQ, but uh, other minorities also. In fact, um, there was a, an assault case just recently, a few days ago. Um, against two uh, trans women um, in Orange County, and uh, you know, in this case, uh, you know, the, it was the Huntington Huntington Beach police uh, arrested two trans women for assault and, uh, but neglected to include in their report that the victims uh, had earlier uh, harassed and hit the two women, <laughs> uh, whom one of the two officers referred to as a a derogatory name for transgender women Uh, and all of this is still developing but um, I'm sure you know about this case and want to sort of get your take on it and uh, uh, what do you think about this because it's it just seems very serious that so much uh, I mean even the officers have admitted that um, they did all of this and they failed on their report and such
3: I I do know about the case Vic uh, and and it's it's sad uh, that it happened in the first place but it, you know to me it's terrifying that uh the the officer didn't uh you know didn't properly report this stuff and uh the da's uh, our current district attorneys that it's failure to uh, address this stuff again he's you know he's happy to to publish op-ed articles about you know hate having no place in orange county but then when something like this happens and uh, I mean, this was, let's make no mistake about it, a hate crime against uh, uh, trans women was committed. And uh, I- instead of the, the perpetrators being arrested, uh, well, you know what, I should back up, Vic. Uh, I, shouldn't go, I shouldn't go that far. I should say, from what I can tell, uh, it appears that a hate crime against uh, trans women uh, may have been committed. I, I'm. I know. I'm getting all all lawyerly about it and and, <laughs> and hedging there. And I know that frustrates people. But I don't have all the evidence in front of me. But from reading this article, it's it appears clear. The the officer uh, admitted on the stand that one of the trans women involved uh, was punched on the side of the head, suffered uh, significant swelling on the side of her head, uh, was pushed down onto the ground, and the, one of the perpetrators stood over her and uh, taunting her as she. Uh, tried to stand up the the force that the the trans woman or women used in this place may well uh, in this case that is may well have been uh, in self-defense we we don't know and uh, you know hopefully the a trial brings this out to light but it is very concerning that the officer didn't include that information in his report and but for a, uh, a savvy uh, public defender who who brought this out during the preliminary hearing I'm not sure we we ever would have known that and um the district attorney himself should be out in front of this stuff uh and he he's just failed to do that uh but going back to kind of what we talked about before in terms of uh you know not not just prosecution but having leaders across the spectrum to talk about these things you know deterrence theory the the research and data on how law enforcement uh, law enforcement officers and prosecutors can actually deter crime, it tells us pretty clearly that a, a tough prosecutorial appro- approach does little to actually deter future hate crimes. So uh, we've got to take a new uh, approach here, one built on community engagement, education, uh, and trust. And uh, as I mentioned, we could we talk for hours about this stuff, and I'm happy to get into any of it, but I've, I've got some, uh, some smart ideas about how to accomplish this
0: wow that's good to hear and thank you for your analysis of of this specific case so in terms of your campaign give us some updates um and then you know what's happening what's important and then follow that up with a call to action or just let us know how people can get in touch with you and help you however they can
3: thanks Vic yeah so we we launched our campaign on March 16 so we're what, coming up on four months into this, and we are off to a fantastic start. Uh, we've uh, raised a significant amount of money so far. I think we've uh, broken a record uh, up to the June 30th reporting deadline, uh, but it's going to take a lot. Uh, we've, we've got a lot of fundraising left to do, and uh, unfortunately, I'm uh, finding out firsthand that uh, politics r- really is uh, about money, because that's what it takes to uh, get your, your, uh, your message out and, uh, to be able to affect change in the first place. Um, so we're off to a fantastic start there. We've earned endorsements from, uh, several of our community leaders, including, um, Congressman Mike Levin from, from South County. Uh, congressman uh, harley ruda who yes. we were hoping to to get reelected, and i spoke last week with congressman alan lowenthal who uh, i'm very honored uh, has endorsed me we have yet to get that up on our website uh, but that's terrific and, and you know equally important to me have been endorsements from our local elected officials so city council folks and school board folks uh, because those are the ones that really help me get out into the community and listen to concerns i'm I'm happy to talk about my background and my positions on the issues all day long, but a lot of that you, you know you can get from the website. Um, I want this campaign to be more about listening than, than it is about talking because I think there are so many communities, uh, especially our less affluent communities and communities of color in Orange County who have never had a voice in, in our criminal justice and, and policing system and I think it's I think it's high time that that, that changes um, across the country uh, but certainly in a, in a community like Orange County. Um, So let's see, what else? Um,
0: Well, before you continue, and I'll let you think about that, let me just do a station ID. Um, If you're just joining us, uh, this is The Blunt Post with Vic KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and I am speaking with um, the gentleman who will hopefully become the next uh, Orange County uh, District Attorney, Pete Harden. Pete is a uh, a combat um, veteran. He is a former judge advocate in the U.S. Marine Corps, deputy district attorney, special assistant to the U.S. attorney. And he is uh, running, as I said, for the Orange County District Attorney's Office. And I was just about to ask Pete about uh, you know, anything important coming up in his campaign and call to action and how people can get in touch with him.
3: Yeah, so we're going to have a, a bunch of events coming up that we'll post on our on our website. We're looking forward to organizing events throughout uh, throughout Orange County, of course, and reaching out to our broader Southern California community. We'll have that on our website. Um, I want your listeners to feel free to reach out and share the concerns uh, and ideas they have. You can reach us at info at peteharden.com. Uh, that's our website, peteharden.com. Um, call, in terms of a call to action... Uh, a couple of couple of different things first of all you know we've got to sp- spread the word about this campaign uh and the ideals that we stand for uh through social media uh people often talk about you know aren't getting followers on social media well i don't want followers i want leaders um come, like come check that. out what, what, what we're doing on social media but uh significantly I, i'd like to ask folks to 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 spread the word uh comment on the things we put out retweet uh repost uh so that we can reach a a broader audience about this message you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough race against the guy who's probably orange county's most entrenched uh politician who's facing a lawsuit and uh potential investigation for uh, criminal behavior for public corruption pay-for-play type uh type behavior uh -hmm. we don't know whether we'll be facing you know police officer association uh opposition and and that the type of serious money that comes with that but uh it's it's gonna be a tough race so fundraising is also incredibly important to us check out our website and if you, if you like what we have to say there's a donate button there and i'd be grateful for your listener support
0: and that's petehardin.com yes sir, yes, sir. p-e-t-e-h-a-r-d-i-n.com Pete, it's been a pleasure. Uh, I feel like we could have spoken, (laughs) chatted for like hours. Uh, I really appreciate it. Um, Please come back and uh, give us updates and uh, good luck.
3: Pleasure is all mine, Vic. Thank you for having me. I'd be delighted to come back anytime and continue the discussion. Have a great week.
0: You too. That was my interview with Pete Harden, who is a candidate to be Orange County's next district attorney. Thank you, Pete, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic, and good luck to you. The Blunt Post with Vic. Eric Strong is a Los Angeles native. After attending USC, he served in the Marine Corps and began his career in public safety in 1993, following in his father's footsteps to become a patrol officer for the Compton Police Department. Eric is a founding board member of Police Against Racism, which strives to dismantle systemic racism in policing. He is also a graduate of the FBI National Academy. He has personally been targeted by police, has family members that have been incarcerated and killed by police, and he has also been a victim of crime eric is a candidate for the la county sheriff elections in 2022 good morning eric thank you for being on the blunt post with vic this morning how are you today
2: good morning vic i'm doing well and thank you for having me
0: yeah it's my pleasure um it's always good to talk to um great new energy in our city in los angeles and greater southern california um leaders who are trying to uh Create change and have an impact. I want to ask you a general question before we get into some specifics. As okay. as we are um, right now in this sort of second phase of COVID, uh, as well as you know, a lot has happened in terms of uh, law enforcement. There's been a lot of you know, especially last year, there were a lot of uh, police brutality and our country. I feel like we're kind of in this transitional phase and things are a little bit, they're not so black and white, not that they ever were so black and white, but I feel like there's so much happening that our focus sort of constantly shifts. But because we're gonna talk about your candidacy uh, for the LA Sheriff, how do you, what's your perspective on where we are and especially pertaining to where we are with law enforcement in uh, Los Angeles?
2: You know, Vic, I think that where we are right now is in a place where people are ready for some real change. Uh, I'm going to use the word drastic, and I don't know if that's the best word. Uh, I don't think people want to see the needle, you know, bump a little bit and then have anybody proclaim progress. Right. I think we want to see something that's relevant and real. And I think it's got to be more than just data driven. Uh, statistics uh, we need to ch- see some definitive change in policing and public service and the way that people are treated uh, and so i think the world is ready I-, I think we've been calling for it for quite a while right now but i think with the derek chauvin Jer- uh, george floyd incident right I-, I think people are no longer going to be pacified by some basic statements and proclaiming reform and rebuilding without some real action, right. and and I know that's what I'm ready for being an LA County resident.
0: Yeah, yeah. People don't want to hear rhetoric and um, sound bites anymore. Uh, well, you certainly have the the background and the experience. You've been in law enforcement since '93. It's almost 30 years. Yes, um, and um, I personally am I'm I'm not for I, I hate to use this, this term. Uh, I'm not anti-law enforcement um, or even necessarily uh, about um, sort of defunding police, quote-unquote. Mm-hmm. Uh, perhaps certain things uh, you know, need to be looked at, but in general, uh, I'm a little bit more pragmatic than that. And I feel like sometimes we ask our elected officials to <laughs> to like literally make perfect both sides and it's impossible um, right. you know we you know when police brutality happens uh, and we're angry and the community's angry and for good reason um, so we come out and you know there's a lot of anti-law uh, enforcement sentiment and let's defund and all of that but at the same time we want our neighborhoods safe and we want criminals caught and all of that so it's kind of a double-edged sword, which makes obviously your job uh, so much more difficult. An example of it is, is I've, I've sat through like City of West Hollywood uh, council meetings and, and you'll have like one group of people come and say, you know, people are driving really fast on the street. We need to put more bumps and, and stop signs and even traffic lights. And then you have the other camp that comes and says, it takes me, you know, 45 minutes to get from Robertson to, uh, you know, to um, La Brea, (laughs) you know, do something about traffic in West Hollywood. So what are council members supposed to do? Which we we can't do both. And I understand Mm -hmm. that about law enforcement. How would you, how do you address that sort of that being caught in the middle thing?
2: That is a question that I have been trying to figure out for almost 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, you, you know, you want... And, and, you know, and the best thing I can tell you, Vic, is, is I, I want what I what I would want is how I would want to be treated. And I think what a lot of people really want is to know that they're being heard and know that their voices matter. But at the same time, they're very reasonable. And this is in my experience. They're very reasonable to what makes sense. Mm-hmm. But you know what we need to do? We need to explain it to them. We need to have a conversation. We need to have some dialogue. So, for example, citizens, community members, they don't want police jumping out of the car and putting their sons on the hood of the car and searching them and putting them in the backseat of the car. But as you said, they want to feel safe. Right. How do we do that? One is we have to better train law enforcement on how to recognize real criminal behavior in other words i go and i teach i teach all over you know the the country and i was teaching in uh louisiana and i i put pictures on the wall and i guess uh, on a powerpoint and my question is can your average police officer tell the difference between a and i'm going to use this example between a blood gang member wearing red Mm -hmm. and throwing up a hand sign versus let's say a college kid that's in a fraternity called Kappa Alpha Phi. I mean, Kappa Alpha Kappa, and they have red as their color, right. and their and their hand signal, you know, looks very much the same. Right? Can you t- can you differentiate? Can you tell the difference? You know, the the Kappas have been around for over a hundred years. You know, whereas you know gangs and bloods have not been around that long. And so, which one? Who who mimicked who? Right. I, I, think it, I think it really just comes down to be able to have that conversation. And what, I, what we really need to do is we need to have a true representation of law enforcement in the communities that they work in. Unfortunately, right now, nationwide, nationwide, and I think it just went down not too long ago, but law enforcement is almost 70% male white. Right. What does that mean? Nationwide, thirty percent of law enforcement. That doesn't mean that they're black or Hispanic or Asian or Armenian uh, or Persian or you know or Pacific Islander. It means that everybody else makes up that other thirty percent. Right. However, when we go into the communities, and let's just talk about the black community. Although in LA County, they're they're less than probably what, maybe 9% of LA County, they make up in the 40s of the amount of contacts and the amount of rest and the amount of citations and the amount of uses of force. So I I know this is a a, probably a short answer long, but I think that people will feel more comfortable if they see people that look like them, that represent them, that can understand them and that can relate to them. Right. In their communities, providing these services, I think they'll feel more comfortable. Uh, I think trust will become organic. I think communication will be better, and then we'll be able to kind of, kind of mitigate that balance about having, you know, ha- having like you said, the speed bumps, but we want traffic to flow faster. Right. You yeah, know, it, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. I'm just saying it's gonna yeah. it's gonna come from you know um, having a little bit on both sides.
0: Absolutely. You know what's interesting is I remember right after Rodney King beating, you know, this came up, uh, not about Sheriff, but the LAPD of how representation of people of color was so low. And it's been been—it's been well, exactly 30 years. I think I, I believe Rodney mm-hmm. King happened in 91. It's yes. 30 years and we're still talking about it. Yes. You know, we're talking about it. And, and especially in Southern California. I mean, it's one thing if you know, it's an issue in some—I don't know, you know, Idaho or Wyoming or such. But uh, we're in L.A., and uh, you know, one of the it, it biggest back, melting pots. Yeah, and in it the goes country. back to what you said. You said people don't want to see, you know, a little change; they want to see something drastic, and that's um, that's absolutely true. And I, I don't know how you feel about um, the recent recall of Governor Newsom, but I think. What, what got a lot of people to, um, not a lot of people but at least the other side to want to recall him was that he did come into office and make drastic changes that people wanted um, and, I, and I applaud him for that and I respect him for that and sometimes, not sometimes, usually actually when someone comes in and doesn't play politics and politics of respectability and is not a diplomat <laughs> But rather, someone who gets it done, and there's always going to be a counter, um, you know, a counter movement or counter attack uh, mm-hmm. per se. So I like I like seeing people like you who want to go in and like really do some cleanup and yeah, well, mm-hmm. go ahead. I...
2: No, I was just going to say I, w- I want to agree with you so much because, you know, you mentioned it, you know, 30 years have passed and what's really changed? We're still facing some of the very same problems. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're still facing some of the very same community concerns. And and what that tells me is that we keep to trying to do the same thing and expecting different results. Right. So or- we need to do something different.
0: Yeah. Uh, or as they say in 12 steps, if nothing changes, nothing changes. <laughs> and, Absolutely. Uh, just a side story. You know, I've been... Uh, I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. I have over over 13 years of sobriety. Congratulations. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I've been lucky um, that twice I've had, uh, I've been stopped by law enforcement. And they were nothing but very respectful. Um, Mm -hmm. I certainly didn't deserve it. You know, let's just leave it at that. So, but, but I, you know, but that's just my experience. Um, that I've had really yeah. great experience with law enforcement. So, um, you know, that's just my experience. Uh, you know, everyone has their own. But going back to you, so there was, I was reading about you and one of the things that I read was that, um, that you wanted to acknowledge and look into deputy gangs within the department. I, I'm just gonna leave that to you to explain um, sort of what you mean by that.
2: Well, you know, there's been this issue of these deputy gangs and cliques uh, that probably go back to the late 70s, 80s, you know, with with the Vikings in Linwood. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, it's been an ongoing topic. I mean, of course, it it raises its ugly head, you know, uh, at times. And then it's it's, kind of swept underneath the rug at other times. But right now, it's something that's um, very prevalent. It's very big. And it's, and it's a topic of conversation, uh, going back that amount of time. And again, it goes back to what I say. We're still here. Mm-hmm. We're still talking about this. You know, it, it was, it was brought up during the Baka Tanaka regime, right. you know, about what are you going to do with it? You know, it was brought up during the, the Jim McDonald regime. What are you going to do with it? And now here we are, we're still talking about it in 2021. And now we have a current sheriff that basically says they don't exist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we just want to look at it from the outside, well, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. It's not going to keep coming up if there's not something there. And no matter what name we want to put to it, if we want to put gangs, if we want to put cliques, um, whatever we want to call it, it's something that's having a negative connotation on law enforcement and on this department, on the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department. You know, I attended the FBI National Academy uh, in 2016 at 231 other students um, representing 48 states and international students as well. And, you know, I posed this question, you know, are you guys seeing this in your agencies? And if you are, how are you dealing with it? And inevitably, everyone told me that is something unique to L.A. County Sheriff's Department. Really? Yes. Interesting. and I have lots of friends in law enforcement that I've talked to and you know they all just shake their head you know and and they say you know it's 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 something that we don't even experience and especially at smaller agencies you know you don't experience that kind of thing so what that what that does because it, it doesn't give me a will you know what I mean you know how they say don't recreate the will right you know go to something that works and it's been effective well there's nothing that works and has been effective out there because other people don't experience this. And so right. it, it's unique to the sheriff's department culture. And what's I think what's important to know about me is that although I've been with the sheriff's department 21 years, um, I didn't start off my law enforcement career in the sheriff's department. You know, I worked two other agencies prior to that. So it, it's kind of like having an upbringing. You know, it, it's kind of like growing up in one, in one city or area or neighborhood and then relocating. Right that place you came from is always kind of home, you know? So, so I was never indoctrinated into this sheriff's department. I've never been invited to be in a clique or in, or in a gang or never uh, been invited and I've never wanted to be, I've never, you know, sought it out or anything. Right. Um, so I, I'm gonna say this, I, they do exist and they're a problem and we need to take some definitive steps to address it. I, I think enough studies have been done enough investigative journalism has been done. We have enough cases within our own internal ranks in, ter- in terms of internal affairs and so forth. Um, we have enough oversight that has looked at this and, and and has identified as a problem. I think it's time that somebody comes in and says, Hey, yes, it exists. Yes, it's a problem. And we're going to do something about it. Uh, up until now, nobody's done that. As a matter of fact, everybody has pretty much said, Oh, it's, it's no big deal. Um, or they'll say, we'll deal with it. We'll address it. Uh, but again, it keeps rearing its ugly head. So, yeah, yeah, I, I I think it's something that, um, you know, there, there's some deep cultural issues there. And when Mm -hmm. I say cultural, I mean, a lot of the people who have come up through the ranks are these same people that were part of these cliques uh, in the beginning, either started them. And some of those are, most of those are kind of retiring out now but they were either probably some of the founding members or even now some of the members who've been there, you know, you you wait 10 years and now they're up in the command positions and they're making decisions. So, um, yeah, we, we need to change some things. Yeah, exactly. It keeps happening. Uh, you know, the sheriff's department exists in a silo. Uh, they are very unwilling to go outside. Um, and and ask for help or ask for assistance I mean, it's the largest sheriff's department in the the country so you know they're oftentimes looked upon from smaller agencies as the model for a lot of things and so i think with that you can develop a sense of um uh, a sense of maybe arrogance and i think that's what we've seen sometimes you know we're the sheriff's department you know uh, what are you going to tell us Uh, Mm -hmm. so it's going to be imperative to to bring in some outside views uh, to address his problem
0: well i'm I'm glad you said that because later I was going to ask you about uh, and I read your some of the comments you'd made and your how you're feeling about uh, uh, district attorney George Gascon, uh, but it sort of reminds me of some of the changes that because I interviewed him before he was elected, about what he wanted to do, and I've interviewed him recently as well. Uh, some of the drastic changes that he's made and such is there a place where the two of you sort of um, meet like that you start to like parallel because it it to me it seems like you two have a lot in common because you're trying to sort of get in there and make some drastic changes which will you know ruffle some feathers and for him and there it already has how do how do you is is there any kind of a for lack of a better word collaboration
2: there well, well of course i mean um law enforcement uh needs to be able to work with the district attorney's office you know the okay. the district attorney's office is part of the um you know kind of the law enforcement community right it it, it really is um so you know no matter who is in there uh, we have to be able to sit down at the table and and work together uh i I can say this, that one thing you'll hear from me often is about balance. Um, Short of things being absolutely illegal, you know, wrong is wrong and right is right. I mean, I don't care if you're in in China or Russia or Europe or United States um, or or Mexico or any other country, stealing is stealing. You know, uh, I don't care what state we, we put the penal code to, but the bottom line is, stealing is stealing no matter what so there are certain things that that are pretty black and white I think with me a lot of things that you'll hear me continue to say is balance 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 and what I mean by that is that I don't know that we should put a blanket over anything right. and say that this is going to solve the problem you know I, I think that we need to look at things um for example let's look at enhancements you know when we're looking at um uh, prosec- prosecutional enhancements. I think maybe we go from a position of starting off without enhancements. But then there's the ability to argue for them. Right. But to just flat out say no enhancements. You know what I mean? That's Mm -hmm. like putting it even so that what that means is that even if it's deserving, and even if it's, if it's if it's needed, and you know, then there's no room for it. So i do think there's a place that we sit down and we talk um you know i've worked internal affairs and and i've seen a lot of the misconduct that comes on and and my thing is this any law enforcement officer deputy or or any police officer at all that feels like gascon is going after um, law enforcement my question to you is what did you do you know what i mean in other words do you do you not want them to go after law enforcement because it's law enforcement or do you not want them to go after law enforcement because you don't want to be one of the ones that gets prosecuted? Right. So if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do when I'm supposed to do it, then I don't have to worry about how many law enforcement officers Gascon is, 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 is going to say he's going to prosecute. Cause I I'm going to say it's not me, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to stay out of trouble. I think where we, we, we get into a, and there's a lot of, Vic, there's a lot of cases out there that are just above, above board. They're above the water. They're, they're no brainers. Right. They're no brainers. Um, you know, cases with DNA evidence on law enforcement that have sexually assaulted, you know, uh, people in custody, Mm -hmm. that's a no brainer. But these are some of the cases that weren't prosecuted before, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, yeah, a lot of people don't necessarily like his stance on things, but I think, you know, there's absolutely room for us to have a discussion. And, you know, and I'm going to I'm going to speak it into the air once in office. You know, he'll be one of the one of the first people that I, I sit down and have a conversation with and say, yeah. you know, how do we work together? And, and working together doesn't mean absolute concurrence with every idea.
0: And how refreshing, because whether talking to him or to you, both of you are just really straight up. Um, sort of blunt and, and transparent and I don't hear all this sort of PR <laughs> like PR taught uh, sound bites right. you know it's just like real direct talk and I think that's what people connect with right. you know and I hope that people understand cuz I hear this all the time and I and because I've you know I'm no I'm not an expert obviously in a, in, in this field and I haven't been in it Um, But I sat through, you know, many meetings and symposiums and and council meetings and such. And people forget that you cannot make everyone happy all of the time. (laughs) No elected official, no one is ever going to have, because it doesn't exist, an answer that's going to take care of all the problems equally in perfection. And that we allow um, our elected officials to do um, the best that they can where it helps the, the largest number of people. Um, and I think the hope here is that people like you are coming in um, who are not afraid and are just sort of you're just gonna go for it. Um, and you make no bones about it. <laughs> uh, so the next the next question I have for you is so you are you know you've joined six other people who are running um, for sheriff. Uh, for the election, which is next year, um, I, I won't really discuss them. But uh, I want to know from you what are the fundamental differences between uh, Sheriff uh, Villanueva and you?
2: Oh, wow uh, that is a that is a very um, deep question. You know, I've known Sheriff Villanueva. Um, Probably I think since 2004, 2005, I've known Alex. Uh, he was actually my sergeant um, when I was a deputy for a period of time. And the fundamental differences that we have is just character. Um, everybody has is, is talked about or you know I won't say everybody, but most of the people that I've talked to have said, hey, he turned his back, he lied to us, you know he bamboozled us, he told us one thing and he did another. Um, I, don't, I don't think many people that know him are surprised. I think the voters are surprised because they believed what he said. Uh, But I'm not surprised in what we're seeing at all. This is who he is. Um, Fundamentally, I'm not a vindictive person. Uh, Fundamentally, I don't think that I'm the smartest person in the room in every room that I walk into. Fundamentally, I I know how to uh, get along with others, even if I don't agree with others. Um, I think fundamentally, it just comes down to character and, and doing the right thing for the right reasons. Uh, you know, so, uh, I have more experience than him. You know, I've done more than him, even though I, 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 spent less time on this department than he did. You know, I actually tested and promoted beyond, you know, past him. Um, so fundamentally it's going to come down to our character. It really is. Uh, it's going to come down to, uh, who's truthful and who's not. Uh, you know, and I I can go into details if you like, but um, I I have documents where he just flat out lied on me back in the day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, him, him telling, you know, untruths to the media and to the people doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think what you're going to get from me, as you said, Vic, is somebody who's just going to, I'm not going to speak my mind to the point where it, you know, um, I say things that are crass, but I am going to, uh, speak the truth, right? Uh, I am going to speak what I believe in. And, and what I can do is I can hear other people's ideas and opinions. And, and I'm listening. I know what I would like to see on my street, right? Whether it be more police, less police, a stop sign, a speed bump. I know what I'd like to see. Every neighborhood, every community out there has a better idea on what they need than I do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's important to listen. Yeah, and and that's that's what you're going to get from me. You're going to get from me somebody that's going to be willing to listen. I have a 24 point plan that I'm working on, and it's not. I mean, it's at 24 because that's where I am right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I am so proud to say, and I will I will say this publicly: not my ideas, and I will give full credit. But there's there's three plans on there that absolutely came from community members okay because of because of their experiences and and you know they came up with this idea and they said hey you know what this would be really good if law enforcement did this and i said hey wow let's kind of peel the the layers back on that a little bit that that sounds like a good idea and we did Mm -hmm. we did and and um i think they're going to have a great impact uh uh, on building communication and building trust right you know the, the the real thing about law enforcement is that some of the things that we do are not pretty. Right. But we can still do those things with respect and dignity and compassion without demeaning people, without disrespecting people, without, uh, you know, without, without dehumanizing them. So, yeah, uh, that's what you're going to get from me that I don't think I'm, I'm listening.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. I, you know, I just keep thinking of my experiences and. I feel like that I'm privileged because I don't want what I say to sort of um, put down someone else's experience who may have had bad experiences. But as I said, you know, a couple of times, two times, actually, I could have easily been arrested and been given a DUI. Um, Mm -hmm. But I was treated very fairly and uh, I won't go into the details. But bottom line is that the the sheriffs, they they were. They were just, you know, incredible. But I have to add, though, that I I also gave them the respect. You know, to me, I mean, it's uh, when authority stops me, <laughs> they're the authority. So I just listen. That's right. just my experience. And the other one is, like, as a gay man, I remember in 2008 when for a couple of months, well, prior to Prop 8 passing and then after we were... You know, we were marching a lot from West Hollywood to Hollywood. We'd go from like Robertson all the way to um, Hollywood and Vine, the CNN building. And most of the way, it was L.A. Sheriff that escorted us, you know, mostly the the West Hollywood division. And they just couldn't be any better. I mean, they were just incredible in Mm -hmm. respecting us. I mean, there were a lot of angry people amongst us, you know, understandably. And, uh, you know, we had such a great experience. I mean, the West Hollywood community uh, has a lot of respect for West Hollywood Sheriff. Okay, I'm just being very specific. I'm not going to talk about, you know, Sheriff Department throughout, you know, greater LA. And it's important to say that. And I also, (laughs) I'm like sort of like, I'm the guy that's always like, I mean, come on. You can't have everything perfect. There are going to be, uh, some people who are victimized, and I'm not saying it's okay, but you know you've got to sort of see the the like a bigger picture, and right. um, and you can't have it um, you can't contradict yourself and say you know there's too much policing you know there's too much budget allocated to police, but then and say well all kinds of crime is happening in the in the alley behind my house and there's no one doing anything about it. Um, right. So okay. I'm, I'm that person. My, my last question to you, and then I'm going to let you sort of um, give us some, uh, you know, whatever you want to add to it is um, unhoused people in California, in general, but especially Southern California, it's an issue and I don't work, I use the word issue as a, a, in a gratuitous way. But it's definitely something that's been increasingly on top of everyone's agenda. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's also an issue that sort of everyone wants it their way. Some people want to, you know, shove them out of their neighborhoods, especially the affluent neighborhoods. And then, of course, there are people uh, and groups and human rights groups and such, advocates who, you know, who want to see something substantial, which to this day hasn't been done uh, for that. And that, you know, again, I mean... (laughs) Again, people can just sit and say, why isn't something substantial being done? Well, that can be an entire book written about that. You know, (laughs) where is the money gonna come from? And then what happens when we house everyone in SoCal? Is everyone else from the rest of the country gonna come here? It's such a complicated thing and the budget and (laughs) what city, what neighborhood, you know, and all of that. But I wanna get your perspective um, and your plan, if you will, about the unhoused um, homeless, uh, quote unquote, uh, community in Southern California?
2: Well, my, my basic premise regarding that is that um, it being being homeless or unhoused should not be criminalized. Right. Uh, it should not be a crime, you know, in and of itself. Therefore, you know there there are the answer is not just to arrest them off the streets you know uh, much of the community the unhoused community uh, are dealing with other issues um, be it drug addiction um, joblessness um, you know mental health issues right. so i think that the services uh, need to be provided for them and it not be as something where, you know, we call the police, but I, 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 don't know what the answer is, but I do know that the answer lies in collaboration. Right. I do know that the answer and you said it, Vic, you know, everybody wants it their way. I know that the answer, at least in my opinion, starts with taking bits of bits and pieces of everybody's idea right, and putting them together to come up with the best idea you know, but right now everybody has their way and the way that they want to do it. And, you know, when somebody else comes in and brings in another idea, they're saying, no, not that idea, our idea and those, and it's Hmm. going back and forth as opposed to sitting down and saying, Hey, how do we, how do we take these ideas and take the best out of all of them and merge them together? Yeah. Um, I would really like to see uh, quality of life issues addressed with the, um, unhoused community. For example, you know we have these encampments where there's there's you know sometimes you know dozens and dozens of and hundreds of them all living in the same area you know I, I would like to see law enforcement um fire um health workers uh public works uh sanitation come in and come together mm-hmm. and do a big collaborative thing and, and i look at it like this if you go to these encampments and let's be real there's a lot of trash right there's there's a lot of waste if we give them the resources or the or the, you know the 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 way to be able to dispose of that trash properly um have maybe sanitation come in you know bring bring a big garbage truck and 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 clean up you know have public works come in have the fire department come in with paramedics and treat people you know a lot of them are suffering from infections and things that if they had proper medical care, would be, you know, um, it, things wouldn't get infected. Right. Um, you know, having um, social workers come out there, you know, and saying, hey, who are those that need to be, um, uh, can can receive some of these services? Have mental health come out there and evaluate? Have transportation come out there? You know, sometimes yeah. it's a transportation issue that can get them to these services. Yeah. So, and then have law enforcement there as well, you know, to help build that rapport because the reality of it is is that you know there may be some weapons there there may be some drugs there there may be some things that we need to to um, to tend to or to address but the answer is not to just go and arrest them out of their situation yeah uh, I don't I don't see that as as the issue at all I agree um, yeah and I just want to go back to you know something you said that you said that everybody has their idea yeah. um, I think a lot of their ideas, all honesty, they're getting funding for these ideas. And, 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 and if they give up some of their position on their, their ideology, their ideology, what they wrote into that grant, they may lose some of that funding, you know, they may lose some of that. So I, I, you know, I think what we really have to do is be willing to say, we're, if we're really here to do what's best for everybody, then, you know what I mean? That, that means if it's a funding issue, I may lose some of that funding. I may right. have to give up some of that right. in order to get to the best solution. And you know, I don't, I'm not here to speak to any particular organization, but I think, I think that the county and I think that individual cities um, have enough resources um, with hospitals and, and social workers and all. And I think you'd get a, a whole slew of volunteers you know that would that would come out there and 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 offer their their expertise and things too if yeah. we just did it the right way in a collaborative I, I'm way. I'm
0: just afraid that um, this is going to be one of those things that until it gets really really bad, although I think it's getting there, that is not going to happen. Which is yeah, you know it's like, you know it's like uh, racial profiling and uh, anti-black uh, racism and. Uh, police brutality we've seen you know all throughout the country you know why do we Mm -hmm. need you know a George Floyd where it's caught completely on camera to address the hundreds that weren't caught on camera and um, I feel like the LA homeless problem is sort of getting close to that threshold but it is very complicated and not one person or agency is going to have all the answers and as you said it's going to take collaboration Um, right so thank you for that before we go, I want to ask you: um, Is there or um, any questions that I should have asked? What What would you like to add people to know about you?
2: You know, I, I just want to add this: that you talked about some really good experiences with law enforcement, um, even when you felt you weren't deserving. And you talked about, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, them, them protecting you during marching and protests. I want to add that. I, I truly believe that the the vast majority of law enforcement uh, does a great job. Mm-hmm. The deputy sheriffs, the police officers that are out there, you know, they come out there um, for the right reasons. However, this is one of those professions and one of those careers where you can't have bad apples. Um, we know that there are going to be bad apples in everything, but we can't we can't. Um, we can't allow them in and we can't allow them to fester, we can't allow them to grow, we can't allow them to spoil the bunch. Right. And and unfortunately what I'm seeing right now in our, in our very own department is we have deputies that are willing to come out and speak up against some of the stuff that's going on. And instead of being um, brought to the table and saying, hey, let's talk about this. What is it that you're seeing? Uh, they're being ostracized. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is we need to make it very, very comfortable for law enforcement to speak up when they see other law enforcement doing things wrong. And we need to make it very, very uncomfortable for anybody in law enforcement that wants to be uh, malicious, um, harmful, or, or do anything that's nefarious. We need to make it very uncomfortable and very difficult for them to operate. Indeed. And what we've had all along, uh, you know, along this way is, is quite the opposite. You know, what we're seeing right now is policies that basically state, you now have a duty to report, we should have been supporting that all along, but you know, in this law enforcement thing, Hey, you know, what? you don't tell on your partners, right. You know, um, and if you do, then you become the bad person. And and it should it it should have never gotten there, mm-hmm. it, it should have never been like that. But you know, if it takes if it takes you know these policies to make that happen, great. But here's what it's going to take: it's going to take every person on the department. It's going to take just humanity and human beings right. uh, to make it okay to step up and do the right thing. And lots of them do it every single day that they yeah. do, but it gets, it, you know, it gets quieted. I mean, it, it gets squashed. I mean, That's I've true. been doing it for a long time. Um, you know, but, uh, but you don't get to those stories. You know, a lot of times you don't, you know, a lot of things are fixed on the inside before they ever get out. But I mean, when I say fixed, I mean, you know, I, I've had, I've, you know, been a reviewer and a unit commander and I've seen things come across my desk and I'm like, what the heck is this? Are you kidding me? Okay. No, this is not how we address it. We're going to yeah. do it the right way. Yeah. So I, I like just want to emphasize. I like yeah, I just, I, I just want to emphasize that, you know, the vast majority of the men and women out there um, care and they want to do the right thing. They care and and they're there to go do a good job. Um, but we just have too many that that, that are not doing that, you know. Um, and the one thing that I would ask, one last thing I would add is this. Sure. You know, when you have a, when you have a, a doctor, um, and we've seen it in the news a lot. When you have a doctor that does something malicious or wrong and it makes the media and they get prosecuted. Vic, when you get sick, where are you going to go? Right. You're going to still go to a doctor. You're just not going to go to that doctor. Right. And, and I would really, I, you know, and, and, and we can go across the board. With, ah, I like, with,
0: I like what you're saying. <laughs> of course. Yeah, we, of course. We, we can go
2: across the board with every, every profession, every job. We can talk about dentists. We can talk about doctors. I mean, right. you know, we can, we can talk about clergy, you know, but for me and my experience, law enforcement is that only profession that if something happens in New York, if it happens in Chicago, if it happens in Philadelphia, I am ridiculed and I'm put in the same boat. Right. You know, LAPD, Rodney King, every police officer becomes bad now. Right. And and I just, I just really think that the community needs to be willing to see us as individuals. Yeah. Um, rather than just the uniform, but I get it. We represent, you know, we represent a, uh, a profession that's, That's oppressed a certain group of people, you know certain groups of people for many many decades, you know for over a century So I get it, but yeah, so I just think that's just something I would like to close with
0: I like that Thank you, Eric Um, Actually, if there's a call to action, how how can people? um, Perhaps find out more about you your website uh, Any other call to action you'd like to do?
2: Absolutely. Please come and look at my website. Uh, my website is strong, the number four sheriff.com. Uh, you know, so just think of strength and think of strong, the number four sheriff.com. Please uh, come to my website, learn more about me. You can contact me there. Um, I definitely need donations, you know, and I'd, I'd love to get a lot of donations from a lot of people. I'm not looking necessarily for huge donations, but but in order to um, to to get to a point where we have the right person in there, I mean, we need votes, and, and votes come from exposure, and we know that exposure, you know, it costs money. Um, so please make a donation. Uh, if you have any questions, I will reach out to you personally. Uh, if you email me or put in your contact information, and you have any contacts, uh, as things go along and it gets busier, uh, it mm-hmm. may take a little bit longer. But if you got them, now's the time to get them in, because I can get to you rather, rather quickly.
0: Oh, that's really Uh, generous.
2: Yeah, I I think it's important. I think it's important that we have personal contact. Absolutely. And and one of of the questions that I've been asked often is, once you get in office, are you going to forget about me? And how will I get in touch with you? And, you know, um, 4,000 square miles is a huge, is a huge county. Right. Uh, The most populous county in the, in, in the country. So would I be able to answer every single person's question? Absolutely not. But I don't think all those people are going to be contacted anyway. <laughs> but I, I, just want, I just want people to know that I'm going to make myself accessible and as available as I can.
0: Well, that's very generous. Um, Eric, thank you again. Uh, good luck. Um, and uh, I hope to talk to you again before the election. And uh, yeah. Appreciate your time, and thank you for being on the show.
2: Well, Vic, thank you for having me, and absolutely, uh, if there's anything that comes up or any issues or or, or any incidents that you'd like to discuss, I'd love to come back.
0: Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Thanks, Eric.
2: All right. You have a great day. That was my interview with
0: Eric Strong, a veteran of the L.A. Sheriff's Department for almost 30 years, who is now a candidate to be LA County's next sheriff. Uh, The elections are next year. He's definitely a very progressive and out of the box uh, candidate. Uh, So good luck to him. And thank you, Eric, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic. Appreciate your time. And I hope to chat with you again uh, before the election. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I.
1: Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.